You're listening to Faith with Friends podcast, where we talk about faith, relationships, and spiritual growth. Welcome to our circle and the conversation where we seek to know God and make Him known. Now, here's your host, Lisa Lorenzo. Today, more than ever, we are all experiencing anxiety, stress, insomnia, depression, and fear. And the last few years has thrown us into deep, very dark times. Everybody I know is struggling with something. And for good reason. We're all surrounded by sickness and pain and death and discord. And relationships are stressed and tense. And it's harder than ever to connect deeply with others. So if that sounds familiar to you, then stay tuned because I believe that today's podcast is going to be something you can really relate to, and I'm hoping it will really encourage your heart and help you find some peace and rest today. Today, I'm joined with two friends. One of them is Conchi, aka Maria Harris, and the other one is Shonda Longo. Thank you both for joining me. Sure. Thank you for having us. And if you'd like to learn a little bit more about these ladies, then you can go back and listen to our intro episode. And also, Conchi is with me on episode one and three. So, with that said, Guys, tell me why 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 are we feeling so disconnected from God and from others? So I think a lot of folks are feeling disconnected, Lisa, because I think there's so many just distractions. There's social media, there's work, people are being being pulled in different directions. And I think that, especially for somebody like me, I think I feel it a lot of times because I think my mind's always racing and going like at a hundred miles per hour and all these things I want to accomplish, all these things I want to do. And sometimes, you know, with without realizing it, all these things become a distraction. And we're prioritizing some of those things before our relationship with God. And sometimes if I'm not careful to be just very disciplined with my time with the Lord, I can allow just the daily, you know, responsibilities of the day to get in the way of that. And before I know it, I've started my day and I haven't really connected with the Lord. Yeah. And I think I agree with you hundred percent. And I think honestly, my head gets so full of the things I have to do and the things that I quote unquote have to worry about that I'm like, I can't deal with anything else. And so then I will neglect my personal time with the Lord thinking, you know, these are the things that are relevant right now in my life. And I forget that there's nothing relevant without him. And I think everybody, I don't know anybody that I see like, oh, I have no stress in my life. There's financial problems and broken relationships. I read a study the other day that divorce is skyrocketing because of COVID. And believers, people like you and me, have become lazy and fallen asleep in the Lord, and we're not pressing through on our private, personal time daily with God. I read a quote the other day, and it said that worry is actively choosing to distrust God. What do you think about that? I think, too, a lot of the the problems that people are having with that myself, I'm speaking from my own experience, is the I, you know, like, I need to do this. I have this. I'm worried about that. I'm, it's when I replace the you with the I. And a lot of times in my day, especially what's going on with my family right now, I try to manipulate and figure out what to do and how to fix it rather than going to the you, which is, which is the Lord and letting him fix, manipulate, and work out the problems that I have. And that, like Kanji and you both said, is spending time first thing in the morning, spending time in his word and resting in him, not resting in, in me, in the eye. 
Exactly. And then I catch myself, you know, we, we all, I believe all three of us, along with many other people in our circle, have the calling of intercessory prayer. And that calling is a difficult one because I often find myself carrying my own burdens to the Lord, but then I don't leave them there. Like I put them, I slap them on my back and walk around with them. And then even well-intentioned, carrying the burdens of others to the Lord and finding myself burdened with them, but I'm supposed to take my burdens to God. I love Matthew eleven twenty-eight and 30. It says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Wow. It's so true though. Gosh, you know, they, like you said, Lisa, we put, we take our burdens to the Lord and, but then we, we're, right before we're leaving that place of rest, we're like, I'm just going to pick this up for just a minute <laughs> and take it back instead of really, I mean, how hard is that? It is so hard to really take that burden. Like, like we have for, for Liam, for baby Liam, for Tati, for, for Barbara, and really lay those burdens and leave them. I have to admit, it's really hard for me to do that. And if you look at the way it's structured, it says, come to me first. And then it specifically calls those people who are weary and burdened. So when we come to him, weary and burdened, we give him our weariness and our burdens. And then he, in exchange, gives us rest. And then I love that it says, I am gentle and humble in heart because I'm not very gentle. So I'm like, is it gentle in character? But it says gentle in heart. So I think of like a quiet and gentle heart. And I think of like God just being sufficient. Like when you think about a person who's gentle in heart, you think about a person that trusts God, surrendered to God. God is enough. I don't need to worry and stress and try to control everything. And I think for us, sometimes that's difficult because we're fixers and we just want to help everyone fix their issues or their problems. And we immediately jump in. But sometimes I feel that when we do that, almost like we're taking the place of God and God steps out because we're, we've taken over. And, and sometimes I like to kind of like feel that either I need to help God or, you know, I need to do certain things that really can only come from him. I'm an and agent so of the Holy Spirit. I'm an agent of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I think also we all, although we might not like to admit it, but we all want to strive and work to keep our families and our lives looking perfect, being perfect, although that's impossible. And then we want to be, I hate to say the word, but I'm going to just go ahead and say it. Sometimes we like to people please, and we want to keep everybody happy. And that's a burden because guess what? I can't make anybody happy. No. And, and if you think about it too, like the, I know for the three of us in particular, and I'm sure for many of those listening, the most, the time of most of the most intimacy of the, the time when you feel the most connected to God is through the trials, through the storms. And we want to protect the people from those storms that are going to, you know, actually make them grow and actually make them feel closer to the Lord. And rather than try to fix everything, we should walk with them in those storms and not try to, especially with our children. And I know all three of us are guilty of this, trying to protect our children from the bad choices or the mistakes that we think that they're going to make. I see it. I see 
those things happening a lot in in my family, most definitely my family. Yeah, and in Matthew, in Matthew Luke 10, it says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And what did Mary choose? Mary chose to sit at Jesus' feet. Ugh, so yeah, good. Beautiful. And Martha was Can running we just around do that? doing dishes. <laughs> Martha was running around doing dishes, preparing, serving everybody, which are good things. She wasn't sinning. She was doing good things. But Mary chose the better to sit and rest in the that. presence of God. Yes. And then I think also we worry about keeping up with others. Where Luke 12, starting in verse 22, it says, Don't be anxious about your life, about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. Life is more than food and the body, more than clothing. Consider the ravens who neither sow nor reap. They neither have storehouses or barns, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you are not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about all the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory has not arrayed like one of these. Wow. So that has a lot. Let's unpack that a little bit, girls. Well, and I think that, I mean, all of these verses kind of lead, lend to my goodness, God's God's plan and God's best is always best. So we can't ever the manipulation of the things that we're trying to fix and control god always does it so much better so step out he does and he's and he's their provider and time and time again in my life i've seen even through difficult periods of time that i went through when i was younger i never lacked any of these things somehow when i would pray about it god would always provide and whether it was through a friend who would show up with you know groceries after my mom had passed away or whether it was, you know, a neighbor who was helping me do things around the house. And it was never really me asking for help. It was, it was almost like folks wanting to help during that period of time. And so I think that that really came alive for me there. And I really understood, wow, if I really, and I still struggle with this because sometimes I just want to take action, but if we really, truly give this to the Lord, that God is our, God is our provider and he wants to show us that he's our provider and I think once we put our request down and we give him the burdens, he will show us, you know, that he, that he cares for us and that he wants to protect us and and provide for us in many ways. Absolutely. He is our provider. So worrying, our worry shows the world that we don't trust God to provide. That's not the kind of impact I want my life to have. It's hard. It's It's hard. It's very difficult, but I've seen it even in, in, in our group, even as some folks have shared, you know, that families need help with either prayer or they need help with maybe like food. You know, Yvette has done meal trains for different people. And I feel that that is a way of, you know, the Lord using people throughout just to provide families and people that are going through things in their time of need and, and providing, you know, for them. Yeah. And so. And, and doesn't that take the focus off of us? Yeah, it does. Like this is where we're supposed to be putting our worry. When you're concerned, pray. And what can you do to change the situation? Well, like Josie, who was daughters in the hospital. Okay, well, let's let's come together and and provide food so she doesn't have to work worry about meals for her family. And that is an active way of serving God, loving others, 
And then you're less burdened because you're actually able to allow God to work through you. Yeah, hands and feet, being the hands and feet of Jesus. Exactly. And I also think that it takes away that focus from us where we're not so concerned about us anymore, but we're actually worried and thinking about somebody else and how we can help them. And it just frees us. And it just almost like, you know, when I'm able to do little things like that, it just, it's almost like a good feeling. You almost feel your anxiety begin to lift. Absolutely. As you help others. For sure. So let's talk for a minute about control. (laughs) Something that no women struggle with. Controlling our situations, controlling others. And like I always tell my kids, I can't even control myself. I'm good. So (laughs) Philippians 4.4 says, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness, again, there's that theme of gentleness when we're surrendered, be evident to all. Why? Because the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I'm going to stop there. There's another portion we're going to read, but I'm going to stop there because there's so much in that little bit. First of all, to rejoice. So we might not be happy, but we should have joy. Why should we have joy? I mean, God is present. That's actually one of my daughter's favorite verses. And I think it. a, a lot of people, my, my daughter's always kind of struggled with control and, and anxiety, which is byproduct of one, one's a byproduct of the other. And I really think that so many of my, my, in my life, in my experience, and I'm sure you can, you can agree is um, it, it's hard to find joy when you're suffering. But I think that, that as a believer, there is that undercurrent of there, this isn't the, this isn't it. Right. So there, so there is that, that joy that bubbles over because I mean, I know that you have been through some really difficult times, especially in, as of late. And I mean, you're a cancer survivor. Conchi has dealt with so much um, heartache with her mom and now her dad and all throughout her life. But there's always that, I don't know that, that joy that kind of emanates even in that difficult, incredibly hard storm. Right. It's that joy and it is Jesus. I don't really think you can, have, you, I know you can't have it any other without having him saving your heart and living inside of you. You know, it's a, it's a byproduct of the Holy Spirit. Happiness is based on situations. Happiness is based on how I wake up in the morning. Happiness is based on what's being done for me. And joy is based on my hope and my security in the finished work of Jesus. And knowing that Perfect. even my suffering is used for his glory. And for believers, all suffering is temporary because on the other side of eternity, there is no suffering. Our beautiful friend Barbara has no suffering, no physical suffering, no spiritual suffering, no emotional suffering. She is complete and whole in Christ Jesus. And I think in the book of James, it says, count it all joy, count all things joy. And I think for me, when I see that I'm not joyful and I see that I'm easily irritable or that things are not going well, it's because I am looking to either things or people to make me happy. And that's never going to be fulfilling. Like my fulfillment cannot come from my husband, cannot come from my children, cannot come from my job. And so the moment I catch myself behaving certain ways or just seeing myself reacting, and I just come right back to the word of God, and I begin to listen to my worship music, I almost begin to see like a transformation immediately where the anxieties begin to lift. And as I do that, you almost become joyful. I mean, it's almost, it's a promise of the Lord. You know, the, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I feel that 
it's one of those things that when we really truly give our hearts to the Lord and, and we do the simple things that he asks because it's he doesn't ask for a whole lot, but we spend our time with him and we give him our burdens. Joy is restored despite what's happening in the world and despite what's happening in our own life. Yeah, and I love that this verse tells us to redirect our thoughts to joy. It tells us to let our surrender or gentleness be evident to all. It reminds us why, because the Lord is here, near. He's here and near. And then it tells us that in every situation, in prayer and petition. So a prayer is communicating with God. A petition is what we ask of God. So I find there a deep lesson that all of my prayers should not be petitions. Because they don't say just give your petitions to God. It says in prayer, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. So I know that we always start our prayer with praises to God and thanksgiving to God in the time of confession before we get to our petitions. And we all have, it's not about the list. It's about spending time in the presence of God in prayer, listening, receiving back, hearing from him, and then giving him, listen, this, this area of my life I really need help with. And then stopping and giving thanks. I think that is a such an important part. And that's something that changes your worries and your burdens. Because when you focus on the thanksgiving part, how can I give thanks? In that verse too, it says, I think the, at least the last part of that, you said, or it says your heart and your mind. Yes. So first you have to get your heart right. And then God is going to, I mean, he, he started with the heart. And then, then your mind right. will, I think your mind's going to follow after that. I mean, obviously our, our, um, we have to get our heart first. God is telling yes. us first, I need your heart. That's what I need first. Let's get that right. And then the rest will follow. Exactly. And that continues. And the next verse, it says, finally, sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, whatever is excellent and praiseworthy, think on such things. Whatever you've learned, received, or heard from me or seen in me, put it to practice, and the peace of God will be with you. So that's a lot. So this is such a great scripture about directing our thoughts to the things of God, considering God, acknowledging God, looking up, like Darius always says, glance up, look up. We can't get so busy looking around us at all the problems that we don't take God into the, you know, to consider him. So what is always true, noble, right, pure, lovely? What are praiseworthy, excellent? Who, who or what is always those things? It's Jesus. I mean, he's the only perfect. And I think, I mean, to me, I love this Bible verse. It's one that I, ref, you know, refer back to all the time because I think a lot of like, you know, and, and, and he says, when we focus on these things, we shall have peace. And I think a lot of the lack of peace that we have in our lives and the lack of joy is that we begin to just almost are our thoughts are not in control. And so we allow our thoughts to control our behavior. And all of a sudden, rather than, you know, I think there's a quote that says, have you prayed about it as much as you've talked about it? Absolutely. And actually that came up in my feed yesterday. And I, I started to laugh because it's so true. Because sometimes I'll talk about certain things, but I haven't prayed about it. And I, but when we refocus our thoughts and when we control them and we give it to Jesus, I just think that it's this peace that just comes over us that it's really, you can't compare it to anything else. The God of peace and the peace of God will be with you. The God of peace. I need that. I need the God of peace. So it tells us to rejoice, to focus on Jesus, the one who provides joy. And then, you know, that joy um, 
I've been always, I've always been taught that joy, J-O-Y, stands for putting Jesus first, then others, and then yourself. So when you worry, you're really putting yourself first because it's what's affecting you, how it's affecting you. Even when it's about our kids, it's how it affects us. It's our kids that we're affected by. And it's, it's a beautiful circle when we do things in that order. When we bring our burdens to Jesus, when we think about Jesus, then we're able to serve and love others. Like it says, let your gentleness be evident to all. So even in our worries and our stress, our gentleness, our surrender to God should point others to him. And then that's self-care for me. You're putting yourself first, last. What does that look like? Well, that's self-care. What is self-care? Self-care for some people is a bubble bath. And that's great. I love watching sunsets. It's very calming. But self-care is spending time with God because he is the healer and the creator of my faith. He's the one that died to give me life. So when I think about him, when I go to him, I'm taking care of myself. That makes sense. How many times have we come to prayer in our Zoom calls and we're like all so stressed out and burdened. And by the time we're done, we're just taking deep breaths and smiling. And we're like, wow, that was such a beautiful experience because we're spending time with God. That is the common denominator here. There's not one time that we have not. And I know for all three of us, because usually all three of us are always on. There's not one single time that we've left like, gosh, this is a waste of time. You know, I mean, never, ever, ever is it, did we not leave like, oh my goodness, can we just spend, can we stay here? Because there's really only one place that has balm for our soul. And that is in the presence of God Almighty, period. Right. I often have to remind myself when I ask God, can you please give me peace? What I'm asking for is Jesus, because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is the King of Peace. His name is peace and he is near to us. So a lack of peace in your life is really evidence that you're not spending the time or maybe you're spending the time as like a checklist or, but when you sit quietly and you're pouring your heart out to God, it's absolutely, he is incapable of not responding. He always shows up when you call in his name. So true. I know that there's one thing that I learned years ago. I I was a really new believer and it was some kind of, you know, Bible study, women's Bible study that I was in not BSF because it was a long, long time ago, but it was that the speaker said, whenever you're troubled or whenever you feel scared or fearful, or you don't know what to do, repeat after me, Lord, fill me with your peace. Lord, fill me with your peace. And so many times I've done that throughout my life and it works people. (laughs) When you ask the Lord, fill me with your peace. He's like, okay, here I, here I come girl. Yes. Like for example, let's talk a minute about Barbara. So Barbara is our friend that just passed away after a three-year battle with cancer. A horrible situation the past year, just getting sicker and sicker. But she far outlived her life expectancy from the Mayo Clinic, from all the doctors. So when it tells me to give thanks and pray, that's hard because that's, you know, it's a painful situation. So let's see if we can all off, off the top of your head, think of one thing you can give thanks because of that situation. I can say right now, I'm thankful that she turned to the Lord and she trusted God in that. And that was such a beautiful example as she started that talk of surrender. Like, do I, am I, is surrender giving up? Is surrender like it taught me? And I can give thanks that I was along for the ride. I can give thanks that I saw her faith grow and that she did learn surrender. I can give thanks for us 
continue, we started this little Bible study. Remember we started like, I don't even know which, which book of the Bible we started. And then it was like one led into another, into another, into another. And I got to know her because of that, you know, because, and and she got to know Jesus even more intimately through that. Like, wow, that was so cool. And I think for me, what I'm the most thankful for, and I think what God allowed me to witness with, with that was that even despite the pain that she was in, she always had joy and she was always outwardly focused. Like she always wanted to know how everybody else was doing. And I think in that she gained strength. And then the most beautiful thing that I saw was her being, you know, Lisa, you being there with her, like every step of the way, never leaving her side, leading her to Jesus, being there when she was weak and just really seeing the value of having friends that are around us that are walking with the Lord. And that really, it's not only in the good times, but in the bad times, they help feed you. They help dress you. They help care for you. They help love you. They help redirect your thoughts when your thoughts are going wild. And I think seeing that changed my perspective in so many ways because we're around a lot of folks that are hurting and just being that person for them, like you were for her to the very end, to her very last breath. I think it's something that God allowed me to see. And I think God allowed many to see so that we can change our ways and we can just begin to really pour into people because I mean, towards the end of somebody's life, you want to have somebody speaking the word of God to you, praying, you know, over you, having music, you know, that you can listen to. I think she left more at peace knowing that she, that her kids are never going to be alone, that she's always going to have people around her that are going to be redirecting them towards the Lord, like Shonda and Megan do with, with Jenna. Absolutely. And that is, she was a great example because Barbara did not spend the extra year and a half. I'm speaking of the time given to her after what the doctor said she would have, right? So after Mayo Clinic came in and said, you know, get your affairs together, you probably have six months. She didn't spend. There's probably a handful of times that I would get to her house or talk to her that she would say, I'm having a doubt day. But she did not spend every day of those years thinking oh my gosh, what if something happens to me? Oh my gosh, what if today is the day? What are my kids going to do? What's going to happen to my parents? What's gonna, who's going to live in my house? She did not spend waste. Let's not say spend, even though wasting and spending is the same. She did not waste time in worry. She took advantage of every moment. She lived her life to the best of her ability, to the fullest. And she enjoyed every second of life. Even when she was in pain, she wanted to hear, what are you doing? Show me the sunset. Show me what you're cooking. What are the girls doing? How's Mel's daughter? Like she was always asking, you know, hey, I haven't heard from Yvette. Is Yvette doing good? She wanted to know, but she wasn't worried about herself. What a great example. Like mm-hmm. she's real. Gosh, so beautiful. And then let's talk about a few verses. First Thessalonians tells us to give thanks in all circumstances. And it says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. So if God is faithful, and he's the one that starts this sanctification process in us, he's the God of peace, can we rejoice pray and give thanks in each circumstance. How would our lives be different if we actually put that into practice every morning? Got up and say, Lord, I thank you for another day. I thank you for this situation that you're teaching me and you're changing me. 
And I love that it says it's going to sanctify you because part of struggles, the goal is to sanctify us, to change us, to be more like Jesus, not to give us a bigger worry list, right? (laughs) But it says that the God of peace, he's the one that does the work. That's where we find rest. Yeah. And aren't you thankful that the process of sanctification is a process and not just one one time where you're like, oh man, well, I'm never going to get it. That, that was it. That was my one chance. Exactly. So Jeanette Rubio is going to join us for the last few minutes of our call. Jeanette, tell me what you're thinking. What I was saying, just to add on to you know, what you were saying, I think the greatest challenge is consistency. You know, you get up in the morning and there's moments that you have this des- desire to pray and say, thank you, Lord. And then, then the day gets the best of you. And then the next thing you know, you're focused on, on everything else, but by God. And I think that's the hardest part, I think for us, but the greatest gift truly, and it says it in Galatians 6, 2, which is what, when you were all talking about all the burdens and everything that, that we do for each other. And it's a sense of community because God at the end, he made us for each other. Truthfully. I mean, he says, carry each, each other's burdens in the way you will fulfill the law of Christ, Galatians 6, 2. And you are fulfilling what he says to do. You become his hands and his feet. And the more people see that, the more they want to feel that warmth, the relationship, the, the, you know, the care that they see someone who may not know, you know, some of these people in this, in, in our group, for example, but all of a sudden they're getting or having a little text or just they're getting what God says to do. Yeah. And I think about carrying like, okay, if I'm carrying a huge package and you come along and you help me carry that package, you help me carry that burden. My burden is lifted. It's easier to walk with. It's easier to carry because you're walking with me. You're sharing the weight. And you know what too is, is like in, in Jesus's ministry, he drew people by the way he loved by the way that he, not, not because of what people said about him, but who he was. And I think that's such a great example for us when like Jeanette was saying, and you, and we all were kind of chiming in on, on carrying each other's burdens. That is modeling what Jesus did and who Jesus is. I mean, really, that's how you draw others to Christ is by the way you love. And what the church continued even after Jesus was no longer present here on earth. I mean, they continued doing that for each other. They would continue praying for each other, you know, holding each other up when they were going through circumstances and being persecuted. I mean, it doesn't, and it's what we're called to do. We really are. And, you know, Jesus was a person who was abandoned by his best friends. He was betrayed by one of his best friends. He was constantly being followed, sought out. Everybody wanted something from him. People questioned him. They doubted him. They lied about him. And what did Jesus do? He had this group of friends that he shared his burdens with. But then like what Jeanette was saying, like in the morning, it's hard, but he escaped and went to a quiet place alone and he prayed. And that goes back to having that quiet life, quiet heart. And he knew that he needed time with the father. And if Jesus himself, who created the earth, needs time alone with his dad, what does that say about our need? to spend time alone with the dad. And I also want to say that corporate prayer, I believe is something greatly missing from the church today. You have a prayer meeting and it's said that is the least attended meeting in churches today are prayer meetings. So So 
talk a little bit and about it's, that. It is like, the most important thing. Yeah. Well, we can all we can all attest to the corporate prayer because we have a group of prayer partners that we pray together. But I really think, like you said, Lisa, that's a, that is a startling statistic that yeah. those are the least attended. And isn't that isn't that just like the enemy? Distraction, like Conchi started out, you know, the distraction, distraction, distraction. And there really is no peace without prayer. It just doesn't, it's, it's not, it's not sustainable without prayer. Can't you all agree with that for sure? Absolutely. If we're not starting with prayer, our day is not going to go the same because we're not focused on God. And even going to church, even just, you know, I know Jeanette goes to her favorite church and sits outside of the church in the middle of the night. And I'm like, what are you doing there? That's dangerous. Get out of there. And she's like, I just like to sit and look at the lights inside the church and pray. And it gives me peace. I love to look at the cross. I sit right out there. I do. And looking to the cross. I do. Now that's a good word. When you're worried, when you're burdened, look to the cross. Yeah. Yeah. Look up. Look up. Like Dara says. Okay. So let's give a few tools, not rules. First one, confessing the problem. Just being honest with God in prayer and saying, Lord, I am filled with anxiety. What, what is the verse that says, test me and know me and know if there's any anxious ways within me? Just coming to God and asking him to search your heart, to reveal to you anxiety, worry, where it's coming from. We already know that anxiety and worry, again, show a lack of faith because you're not trusting God with that situation. So the other thing is stop the negative replay in your heart, in your heart and your mind. I spend hours going through my mind over conversations that will never take place. Any of you? And then asking yourself, okay, do these thoughts that I'm having, do they build me up spiritually and emotionally or do they tear me down? Am I feeling better? Am I feeling my faith increased after I go through my list of worries or am I feeling more anxiety? And can this thought process, how could this thought process heal me if I were to apply God's word to it. So instead of searching our minds for things to worry about, just sitting and searching the word, because the Bible has the answer to every problem that we will experience on this side of eternity. Romans fifteen thirteen says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So just asking God to fill us with joy and peace Trusting in him results in an overflow of hope and a filling of the Holy Spirit. And it does. And I think when we control our minds and we hold, like what the Bible says, hold all our thoughts captive to the obedience of God. And we don't allow those constant replays and we don't allow those constant conversations that sometimes never even do end up happening. We're just, it's just peace just reigns in our hearts and we, we're not allowed. And similar to what Jeanette does, I sometimes go to a church that's by the water and I never would go inside but it was you know I kind of grew up in that area and we would go there a lot and I just sit there by myself in a bench and it's just me and the Lord and I just feel this sense of peace come over me when I really spend the time there and just you know you're by the ocean so you see God's creation it's it's an area that to me just reminds me a lot of like you know my childhood and just good moments and I just think that when I do that and when I do spend that time with the Lord my life is completely different. My day goes different. And it's easier to control those thoughts that are just constantly, we're getting bombarded with. Of this person said this, or, or this just happened, or somebody caught me off on the road, or I have all these meetings to attend and I can. And so 
I, I, I love that because a lot of times as we, what do my pastors say? We have people that are, that have rent in our heads and are occupying yes. space and we have to evict. Absolutely. Yeah. We need to evict them. They need to be evicted. The enemy needs to be evicted. <laughs> so I'm going to read you guys a quote and then I'd like to get your thoughts on it. So if we use the word hope, it's like expecting, right? If you're hoping for something you're expecting and that's vice versa. So when you're expecting something to happen, you're placing your hope, you're expecting it, right? So fear or worry is hope or expecting that the devil will move. And faith Whoa. and peace is hoping or expecting that the Lord Jesus will move. So how does that affect our thoughts on worry and anxiety? Well, it's first of all, it's super convicting, <laughs> but it's true. My goodness. Can you read that one more time, Lisa? Fear or hope, fear or anxiety is hoping slash expecting the devil to move. You're thinking of the worst. What the word, this is going to happen. This is going to, what if this happens? But peace and faith is hoping or expecting the Lord Jesus to move. You know, I can say as I've grown as, as a believer, the shift. Now, I mean, that's such a good, it's a very good quote. I'm definitely going to write that one down because I can see now that I'm not the former. I am the latter in most cases, <laughs> not in all cases. I would say I'm a 70, 30 split. Um, but man, that is, I'm going to say that when I'm, when I start to fear, when I start to get anxious, I am going to say, am I okay? I'm not going to fear that or hope that this, that the enemy is going to move. I'm going to trust that God is going to, because exactly. he will. Yes. You know, um, you know, who Dr. Carolina Leaf, Carolina Leaf is. She's a neurologist, I think, and she's a believer, strong believer. And I saw that she did an interview the other day, and she said that praying for eight minutes a day. So they, they did a study, and they took a large group of people, and they asked them each to pray for eight minutes every day for eight weeks. And when they were done, they did brain scans before and after. And do you know that the brain scans after eight weeks were measurably different because they opened other paths in their brain? where negativity actually shrinks back the paths that you have now. So praying eight minutes a day for eight weeks can change our brains. Wow. That, you know, that, that there was another thing about the, the things for prayer. And I, I'm sure that for me, I learned this a long time ago and I've shared this with you before, Lisa, mm -hmm. and I'm sure the listeners would probably benefit from this, but is when you feel like sometimes when you go to prayer and I know you, for you guys, we've all done it with, with one another, you get burdened or, or um, you, it's heavy with all of the requests, you know, like, oh my gosh, Lord, there's just so much. And then you start to get anxious and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm going to hit everything. Lord, you know, at all, but I feel like I have to voice everyone. And when those times come, I, instead of praying for the needs of the people around me, I stop and I thank God and I start thanking him. And I spend that whole time because it's so, we forget to, to do that. We forget to stop. And, and instead of praying, because God already knows the needs of the other people, it's more for us, our, our interaction with the Lord and putting our requests before the Lord. But sometimes we just need that time to just be grateful and stay, start saying all the things that he's done for us. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Love that. Okay. So Psalm 34, you know, that's my friend Terry Psalm, Psalm 34, verse 4, it says, this was David speaking, and he said, I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all of my fears. So another tool that we recommend is seeking the Lord in daily Bible study, 
How? Read a chapter a day. Start in Mark or John. If you've never read the Bible before, or if you've already read those books, just go back and then get out a journal, write the date and write the chapter, John 1, and just write one sentence that, that you're more interested in, that touched your heart. Make it a prayer. John 1 is about God being the light and the word of God. Maybe you can pray, Lord, help me to understand the word of God or help me to be a light in this situation. Or I feel like I'm surrounded in darkness. Show me your light. But David knew he was, he had fears. What did he do? He sought the Lord. What did the Lord do? He answered and delivered him because that's what God does. He helps us. Okay, so Mark 135 says, the right and rising very early while it was still dark, Jesus departed and he went outside to a desolate place and there he prayed. He prayed. So he began his morning deeply distressed and troubled. Mark 14 says his soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he said to his disciples, stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and he prayed. Hebrews tells us to boldly come before the throne of grace that we can find help in our times of need. People think, oh, they always tell me to pray. Pray doesn't change. Prayer doesn't change anything. Prayer may not change your situation. What does prayer change? You. Prayer will change you. Yeah. It will change your outlook. It will change your heart. It will change your burdens. Well, and I think the enemy knows. I mean, let's be real. The enemy knows that's our most powerful thing. That's why we are so distracted. <laughs> that's why we have such a hard time doing it because God gave us that tool that is the most powerful thing we have in our arsenal is prayer. And isn't it funny? How many times have you guys said, there's nothing we can do. All we can do is pray. Should have been the first thing we did. Exactly. It's the most powerful thing we can do. <laughs> it's the one thing we can Amen. do that will change everything. Yep. It's the only thing we can do that can change anything. So apart from confessing that you're in fear, talking to God about it and reading the word every day, I would say worship and acknowledging God in your current situation, just worshiping again, what does it do? It changes our focus from our problems to our savior. Psalm 1611 says, you will show me the path of life and in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. In worship, there is joy because we go back to that centered place where Jesus is our focus. So for me, that verse, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I love it just because I think that sometimes I can just imagine the Lord just there kind of like waiting, like, hey, Conchi, when are you going to pray about this? Or when are you going to just talk to me about it? And sometimes we just, I just continue with my day. I just continue with my day. I get wrapped up on, on everything that's happening. And then when I take that moment where I just kind of like draw near to him, even if it's just a second. And sometimes we think, you know, that prayer has to be like this formal thing that we do. But in reality, it's just that continuous conversation with the Lord throughout the day. And as I'm going through my day, when I spend my time just, you know, in my mind and in my heart, just kind of connecting with him and bringing things that I'm struggling with, I just begin to just feel this kind of like sense of peace and just sense of joy. And that is the Lord just drawing near to me as I'm drawing near to him. And, and I just love that promise. I just love it. And how can we actively acknowledge God? So if we're in unhealthy cycle of worry or anxiety or discord or whatever, how can we acknowledge God? Like, what are some ways that we can just stop and acknowledge God? I think by, you know, especially I learned this, you know, as young, 
as a young believer is, is memorizing scripture and repeating God's promises back to him, just as, you know, it brings you peace. Like my, you know, Isaiah 41, 10, do not fear for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed for I'm your God. I will strengthen and uphold you with my righteous right hand is, was one of the very first verses that I memorized and have clung to for many, many years. And it's just crazy that God knew what verse I needed. Out of all the scripture in the whole Bible, he knew that that verse was, was his promise to me. And I have to constantly remind myself of it. Um, another Exodus 14, 14 is the Lord will fight for you if you only be still. And I know that all of us can agree we can't be still. We're, we were doers. That's right. <laughs> we want to fix things. We want to. So some, I had another verse that God was like, yeah, Shonda, you're going to need this. So yeah, remember that I will fight for you. Just be quiet and be still. And that's really hard for me. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of John 16, 33. It says, he will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in you, Lord. So when we keep our mind focused on God, considering God, thinking about God, then he keeps our mind. He keeps our, our, his perfect peace in us. And I need that. I think another great way is just writing little Bible verses in your car, by your computer, um, even the phone, my, the save screen on my phone is, you know, take heart. God is with you. He's overcome the world. These things, just keeping God's word around me, listening to worship music, Having friends that love God, that when I call them to tell them, guess what happened today? They say, okay, well, let's let's talk about this. And what what is God showing you? What is God doing in this? And how can you respond in a godly way? Consider him. Bring him into the equation. Lisa, and I think journaling for me helps me a lot. Sometimes I just write notes down. And then, you know, as I go back in time and I start reviewing things that, you know, I was praying for last year, you really begin to see how the Lord showed up and he began to answer prayers, you know. And different little things that sometimes we take for granted. Um, and I think for me, that helps me a lot because it just, you know, God is the God of miracles and he wants to show up for us and he wants to do things. And I think sometimes having those reminders of all the things that God has done for us in the past, whether in ways he's provided or in ways he's healed us or in ways that he's, you know, protected us from certain things that have happened that we didn't even accidents or, or different situations. I think having those reminders and constantly going back in time and reminding, you know, ourselves of how far we've come, I think also help restore our peace and our, and our joy. Because if God did it in the past, he's going to continue to do it. Isn't that the true? He is our unchanging God. Well, I think this has been very helpful for me, who woke up in the morning with a few texts of people we were with yesterday that might have COVID. And it's just changed the whole way that I viewed things. Because just thinking about all of these verses about peace and rest and joy in Jesus changed the way that I received, you know, questionable news this morning. What do you guys think? Well, you know, I mean, I think as our flesh dictates, we automatically go to, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Oh my God. Oh my goodness. What's going to happen? And for a split second, maybe, maybe longer than a second, maybe like 60 seconds. I did that this morning, but but then I said, okay, you know what? It, God's gonna, God is still on his throne. He still knows what's going on. He's never left and he's never taken his eye off of me. So Amen. I can rest in that. Yes. In closing, maybe Conchi can um, pray for us after. I just want to read this one last verse, Isaiah 26, 3. And I 
pray this verse over each of you listening today. I pray that this has been something that has encouraged you as you reflect on, hey, where's my thought process going and how can I invite Jesus into it? And it says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, my peace I leave you with, my peace I give you, not like the world gives it to you. Let your hearts, let not your hearts be troubled. Don't let them be afraid. My peace I leave you with. Jesus is peace and he left his Holy Spirit here to be our peace with us. It's not something that is dictated by time or circumstance. It's a promise that he he gave us his spirit, which is peace. So we have the peace. We just need to quiet our anxiety, quiet our worries, and allow his peace and his love to be magnified in us so that it will grow. And as we recognize it growing in us, we'll realize, okay, these are the things that I need to do to access more peace, to experience more peace. And these are the things that are causing me to experience less peace. Again, not circumstances, but the person of Jesus. So Conchi, would you pray for us? Yes, Lisa. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we come before your presence, Lord. I, I give you thanks for this time that we've had with Lisa, Shonda, and Jeanette. This is a perfect example in my life, Lord, that any time spent with you, Lord, is never void. I feel peace right now, and I feel a certain sense of just my anxieties have been lifted just by listening to these verses and, and listening to these ladies speak about, you know, just the Word of God and how it's impacted their life. I pray that anybody and everybody who's listening today, Lord, and listens to this podcast is reminded, Lord, that if we hold our thoughts captive, if we put you first in our life, Lord, you will always, Lord, draw near to us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Remind us. Guide us. Surround us with people who are constantly reminding us, Lord, that if we come to you first, Lord, you are there ready just to lift our burdens from us, Lord. And continue, Lord, to use every single lady in this prayer group, Lord. Continue to use Lisa, Shonda, Jeanette, and everybody else, Lord, that's in our prayer group in great ways, Lord, to just be able to continue, Lord, to, to draw people near to you, Lord. May this podcast and everybody who's listening today, Lord, have a sense of peace, Lord, and may more and more people come, Lord, to you. And with them, we give you our worries, Lord. Protect our families and our friends and anybody who's listening, Lord. And we thank you again for this time together in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's Faith with Friends podcast. We hope you will like and subscribe as we continue the conversation. Follow us on Instagram at Faith with Friends. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you forward to your friends so our circle will continue to grow?